done? How many of you guys have some of your shopping done? How many of you have none of your shopping done? Vast majority have none done. Praise the Lord. I'm not the only one. So uh, that's awesome. That is awesome. I'm glad to know that I'm not the only procrastinator in life, that there are, are hundreds of others that uh, don't do anything until the last moment and have to shop at Walgreens. So, um, you know, there's always great gifts at Wal- Walgreens. I mean, my wife just loves white diamonds, you know, by uh, Ann Taylor, Tiffany Taylor. I don't know somebody. No, I'm just kidding. She, she doesn't like any of that stuff. But, uh, man, I'm, uh, I'm glad to... to continue in this series called Balance that we've been talking about over the last couple weeks, and we've been talking about this whole idea that so many times in life, it seems like we are pushed to the very edge, you know, and and we get to this place where we seem like life gets totally out of balance because so many times in society and our culture around us is continually pushing us to live to the extreme, to live to the very edge of our lives. And we've been talking about how in life, God does not desire for us to live that way. But if we continue to live on the edge, eventually when disaster takes place, because there is no room in our life, because there is no balance, because we live in that extreme, eventually when disaster happens, we have nowhere to go but to fall and fall hard and end up in some extreme, extreme areas that we never really ever desired to get into, never really ever desired to fall into and be a part of. And, and when margin is squeezed out and there's no room for error, it, it just messes up our lives. And eventually we, we, we want to have as much control as we can and we try to maximize and we try to squeeze in everything that we can. But when life squeezes us to the max, eventually something comes out. And we've been kind of just diving in and just looking at some different areas. In the first couple of weeks, we talked about our schedules. We talked about how many times we're trying to pack so much in our schedules. And we say, well, that's easy for you to talk about as a pastor because, you know, all you do is sit around and drink coffee and read your Bible all day. You don't really understand what my life is like and, and how much stuff I have to get done. And, but the reality is, is that we all have the same 24 hours a, of a day to, to work with. And, and what we do with that time and how we use that time is all based on how we and what we say is important. But somehow, when crises happen in our lives, all of a sudden, our perceptions change, our our values kind of change, and all of a sudden, the things that we're packing out our schedule just don't seem to be as important as they used to be. And all of a sudden, we start building in some room. We start building in time for the things that are really, really important in our lives. You know, we see this happen all the time in our finances. We live life to the limits. You know, we take it to the extreme. It's why every year people, when they get Christmas bonuses, when they get all these different things, they don't put that money away and save it. What they do is they go out and spend it. And typically they go out and spend a little bit more than what they make. In fact, the average person in America spends 103% of their income a year. And so we're living life to the extreme, and we're wondering why there is no room in our finances when, when the car breaks down. We don't have any room to get that thing fixed because we've been living in the extremes. And the whole idea there is that, man, if we, if we live with some margins, that we take the plan of give 10, save 10, spend the rest, and all of a sudden there's some margin that's built into our lives. And last week we talked about moral margin. And we really dived in and we talked about the importance of having margin in our lives in moral areas. And because so many times in life, we can cross the limits in different areas. You know, if we break the speed limit, the repercussions of breaking the speed limit are not that bad. If we, if we go over our calorie intake that we set up for our diet one day, you know, it's really not, the repercussions of that are not really going to be that bad. But when we break our limits morally, the repercussions there have a profound effect in our lives. They have a profound effect effect and they have an impact that doesn't just impact us, but impacts people all around us. 
And we talked about this whole idea that there's, there's the one thing that we know about God is that he always leads us to a life of margin. He always leads us to a life of living with balance. And we've been looking at this verse in Ecclesiastes 7, 18, and it says this. It is good to grasp the one and not let go of the other. The man who fears God will avoid all extremes. It's good to grasp onto one man. It's good to have goals and desires and all those things. But, but so many times what we do is we let go of God and we run towards those things. And we go to the extreme. And what God is saying is it's saying, man, it's good to, to have goals. And it's good to have ideas. And it's good to run for things. But not at the cost of a relationship with me. Not at the cost of letting go of the thing that's going to sustain your life, that's going to bring balance to your life. And that is a relationship with me. It says the man who fears God. Is, what that's saying is, is it's the person who has an intimate relationship with Jesus is never going to live in the extremes where they're going to have balance in their lives. And, and we talked about healthy relationships and, and healthy family life and all those things happen in the margins of life. Because this is what I know is when, when margins go down, stress goes way up in our lives. And God did not desire us to live in the extremes, but he wants us to live in a healthy manner. And today I want to talk about developing margin in an area where where I, we spend the majority of the time of our life besides when we sleep. And I want to talk about how do we develop margin in our jobs? How do we make that a possibility in our lives? Because this, I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to guess you're probably a lot like me. And the fact is, is that for most of us, man, we are running at an extreme pace in our work. We're, we're doing more than we ever thought we could do, and we're, we're working longer than we ever thought we would work. In fact, back in the 1950s, when they started looking at technology, and they started looking at the computers, and they started looking at everything that was coming, what they said is that, you know what, in 30 or 40 years, our entire society is going to be completely different because, because of technology, because of the advances. You know, people are probably only going to work something like 30 hours a week or something like 30 weeks a year because of the advances in technology. And it's going to be so much easier on the population. But the exact opposite has happened. The more technology that we've gotten, the more advances in, in cell phones and computers and, and all these different things. It seems like we are working more and more and more. In fact, the latest statistics say that the average American works 56 hours a week. That's a lot more than the average 40 hour a week. Most people are overworked and, and, and they just say, you know what, I've got so much to do and I've got so much on my plate. I've got to put in extra hours and we're working all this and we don't feel valued at all in our jobs because we've not rewarded for the effort that we're putting in. And the thing is, is the Bible has a lot to say about our work. The Bible has a lot to say, and what I really want to do today is I really want to focus in on one principle that is found in both the, the New Testament and the Old Testament, but specifically we're going to be looking at a, at a story in um, the Old Testament to help us get this idea of how do we create some balance in our work life? How do we create some margin in our work life? Now, I know that some people are going to say, you know what, it's just not really possible. It's, it's not something that I can do in my work. I, I didn't know that people are going to have pushback on this, but the reality is, is that it, it's probably not something that's going to happen uh, tomorrow in your workplace, but it's something you can be working towards. It's something that might take weeks. It might take months. It might take years to develop in your, your profession. Maybe you own a business. Maybe you work for an employer, whatever it may be. But I think that if we really started to learn and started to, to, to drive down into what God really says about that if we were to make it a goal for to develop and to live our lives in the way that God says that we should live and use this principle, then I think God would do some incredible, incredible things in our workplace. And so today I want to look at an Old Testament uh, 
passage. It's in Exodus chapter 18. If you have your Bibles, if you want to turn there, if not, you can look in your notes. Uh, you can look on the screen. There's a lot of different options for you. But um, we're going to be looking at a story that, of the Old Testament. It's coming out of the book of Exodus. So we know that this is where the Israelites are exiting out of the, uh, the, the, the tyranny and the corruption of, of them being enslaved in Egypt. And I know that if you haven't ever read the story, then you've probably seen the movie, you know, with Charlton Heston. Pharaoh, let my people go, you know, all that stuff. And if you're too old to re- or too young to really remember that, you've seen the cartoon that Disney put out. So, I mean, we all know the story. And basically, Moses is leading this, this group of people. Some scholars say as many as 2.5 million men. That means that there were a whole bunch of people because they only counted the men back in the day. So, I mean, that's probably like 7 or 8 million people that Moses is leading out of Egypt, out of this enslavement, and he is taking them, and, uh, you know, they're following him, and they're following a, a, a cloud of, of fire or a, a pillar of fire by night, and a cloud by the day following the presence of God, and, and the only thing that they really have are, the, are all the spoils of Egypt. They have Moses, and they had the, the, the God leading them. That's all that they really had. They didn't have any government. They didn't have any institution. They didn't have any rules, and so they're just going through, and so basically when they get to the desert, they, there's no rules, there's no regulations. People would just go crazy when there's no boundaries in life. You know, they don't know what's right and what's wrong. And so God says, man, I want to set up some rules. I want to do some things so that the people know how they can obey me. And so Moses, the people are scared to death of God. So they send Moses to kind of be the mediator between them and God. And so Moses goes up and he gets these commandments and he gets these laws and he comes back down and he is he is there, and he's there to communicate with the people what is right and what is wrong and what should they be doing and what shouldn't they be doing and to help mediate disputes. And in the midst of this, Moses' father-in-law comes for a visit. It's going to be a lot like some of you guys when some of your in-laws are going to come for a visit this Christmas. It's something that always happens, but it's not something you really enjoy. Can I get an amen? Uh, well, one, one person got an amen, so we know how they feel about their, their parents. But uh, so... <laughs> So Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, comes along, and, and he's hanging out with them, and they're having some dinner. And, and at the dinner, you know, he's like, Moses, you know, uh, you used to work for me. I kind of want to check out what you do. Is it cool if I go to work with you? So it's kind of like bring your in-laws to work day the next day. And so we pick up right there, and it's in Exodus chapter 18, verses, starting in verse 13. It says, the next day Moses sat as usual to hear the people's complaints against each other. And they were lined up in front of him from morning till evening. How many of you guys know that that would have to be like the worst job in the world? My job is to listen to y'all complain from the break of dawn till it gets dark at night. Anybody, anybody want that job? No, I didn't see a lot of hands. I mean, even in a down economy, nobody wants that job. So um, it says, when Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, why are you trying to do all this alone? The people have been standing here all day to get your help. Moses replied, well, the people came to seek God's guidance, and when an argument arises, I'm the one who settles the case. And I've informed the people of God's direction and teach them his laws and instruction. Basically, Moses tells Jethro, God called me to do this. And Jethro kind of calls him out and says, God might have called you to do this, but is this the best way that you should be doing it? 
And uh, I mean, and when you, when you began your job, when you started your company, when you got that promotion, you know, when you set out in your new work environment, you started going out and doing every single thing you could. You felt like this was what God wanted you to do, man. God called me this job. God gave me this job, man. And I'm going to max it out. I'm going to do everything. And so when you started, man, you were there at 730 when you had to be there at 8. And you stayed till 6 o'clock when you only had to stay to 5 because you wanted to make sure that you were getting everything that needed to be done. Done. You wanted to make sure that you excelled, and so you would make faxes, and you would respond to emails, and you would do extra phone calls, and you would do all this stuff because you wanted to prove to everybody your worth. You wanted to make sure that they knew, man, that you were going to do what it takes. You were going to do whatever is possible to make sure that you were successful in that job, and you just started running into that thing, and, and the, the reality is, is that you're trying to set it up to make sure that nobody knows that nothing is beneath you. Man, I'll do anything. I just love this job, and so so many times that was what we get into. But the reality is, is that if you're going to continue to move forward in your career, if you're going to continue to move forward in your marketplace, if you're going to move forward in the business that you own, you can't continue to do everything. It's not feasible for us to do everything. And it ends up hurting our productivity in the long run. You end up finding that, man, you're not quite as productive as you used to say. In fact, people will look around and say, like, man, they used to get so much stuff done, but, man, they just get bogged down in stuff today. They're just not anywhere near as productive. They don't seem to, to have the drive that they used to have. And, and, man, and if Moses would have continued in the cycle that he was in of, man, I've got to do everything. I've got to be everything to everybody. Then I think a couple things would have happened. I think he probably would have ended up losing control of leadership among those people. I think he would have lost his influences. But this is what I know about people and their work. This is what I know about it is that you're not good at a lot of things. I know that everybody thinks that they're great at everything, but listen, you are not good at everything. Reality check. And of all the things that you could be doing, you could be closing deals, you could be making phone calls, you could be responding to, to clients, you could be uh, servicing customers, you could be balancing budgets. There are only a few of those things that you're truly really good at. And if you think about in your workplace and you think about the things that you do, there's only a couple things that you really, really excel at. The reality is, is we get bogged down doing a lot of things and we miss out on the very things that make us the most successful, the sweet spot in our work, what we can only do as that employee or that employer, the very things that really make us awesome. It's the things that when we're doing it, we don't even really recognize or know how we do it. It just comes naturally to us. It's just that thing that's just easy. You just look around and, you, and people ask, man, how did you close that deal? I don't know. I just did it. You know, because it's just easy and natural to you. Because it's your sweet spot in life. Because you're not good at everything. You're not meant to be doing everything. The other thing that I know is that of all the things you do, only a few things really make a big difference. Of all the things that you're doing at work, there's only one or two things, maybe three things that you're doing that nobody else in your organization could do. That There's a lot of people that can file paperwork. There's a lot of people that can send emails. There's a lot of people that can make phone calls. But maybe you're the only person that can make sales. Maybe you're the only person that can balance those books the way that they are. There's certain things that you can do that nobody else will ever do as well as you do. And when you're doing that, when you're in your sweet spot, when you're doing those things, you add more value to the organization than anybody else could possibly do, no matter all the other things that are surrounding you. In terms of moving, down the, moving the ball down the field for, for helping your company is going to score, man, when you do those things, it feels like you guys are, are scoring touchdowns every single time because of the success that you have. 
But our tendency is, is that we want to say yes to everything, and we end up not being able to accomplish the very things that make us most successful. And this is what else I know, is that your value goes up when you focus. Your value to your company goes up when you focus on those, other, those few things. It's a lot like a flashlight. Um, when you take a flashlight, a flashlight is great. It shines light. But you know what? A flashlight does not cost a lot of money. It's anybody can kind of be a flashlight. But when you take light and you put focus to it, you know what a flashlight becomes? It becomes a laser. Do you know what a laser can do? It can go into surgery and it can do surgeries. So you can take something that's, that's nominal, that's thought of as not very productive as like a light, and when it gets laser focused, it can heal people. And the same thing is true for us. When we start to put some focus to the things that God has gifted us in and we start to take those things and we start to utilize those things, all of a sudden we start working in our strengths and those strengths start playing out and all of a sudden we start adding tremendous value to the organizations, to the companies, to the businesses that we own. And this is what Marcus Buckingham, who wrote Now Discover Your Strengths, says. He says, people don't pay for average. They don't. Think about it. I mean, we don't really want an average society. If we go to a restaurant and it's just, eh, okay, service, do we really go back there very often? No, because we don't want average. Or they don't pay much for average. I, I don't see anybody going to McDonald's and dropping a 50 on a Big Mac and some fries. Do, anybody out there? I mean, because it's just average, right? It's not that great. It's not that important. But we'll go to, uh, you know, a, a high-dollar steakhouse and do that because of the value that's added there, because of the focus that's taking place. They've spent a lot of time creating that. And so many times in life, you know, we're, we get the opposite thing that we're told to work on our weaknesses. I mean, how many of you guys are, have had that? You go into a job review, and they always want you to work on your weaknesses. In fact, John Maxwell talks about this very thing. He says, you know what, the reality is all of us have some lids in things that we do. You know, 10 being a max, if you're weak in an area, maybe you're a three there. If you work really hard on it, you can make that area a five maybe. And at that point, you're average. But if you're an eight somewhere and you work on that thing, all of a sudden you can become a 10. You know what, and people pay for 10s. People desire tens in their workplace. And God is, I believe that God is saying, you know what, instead of, instead of working on the things that are weak, because the Bible says where you're weak, I'm strong, why don't you go and work on those things that are strengths and try to rise up and really utilize the gifts and the talents that I've given you. Because I know that when you do that, it'll make big change happen. And I know some of you guys are thinking, man, my, my workplace is never going to let me do this. And I know that, that it's not going to be an initial thing that's going to happen right away. But over months and over weeks and over years, man, you can start to develop those things and you can start to create that environment where that can happen. And I love how Moses responded here. And, and I, love, I love how Jethro responded to well. When, after Moses said, man, this is what I do, Jethro just said, man, that's not good. Sometimes we need some people to look at our lives and say, man, what you're doing, it's just not good. And he goes on to say, his father-in-law exclaimed, you are going to wear yourself out and the people too. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourselves. Now, I know a lot of people right now, they feel like where they're at in life, that what they're doing is way too heavy of a burden to handle all by themselves. And, 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 and Jethro is going to give Moses some great advice here. And he's going to do some, he's going to help him here. He's going to say, now let me give you a word of advice. May God be with you. You should continue to be the people's representative before God. He's not telling them to quit his job. He's saying, listen, what you're doing is the right thing. What you're doing is the right thing. 
But you should continue to be the, the people's representative before God, bringing him their questions to be cited. You should tell them God's decisions and teach them God's laws and instructions and show them how to conduct their lives. But find some capable, honest men who fear God and hate bribes. Appoint them as judges over groups of 1,150 and 10. These men can serve people, resolving all the ordinary cases. But anything that is too important or too complicated can be brought to you. But they can take care of the smaller matters themselves. They will help you carry the load, making the task easier for you. If you follow this advice and if God directs you to do so, then you'll be able to endure the pressures and all these people will go home in peace. Moses listened to his father-in-law's advice and follows his instructions. I don't know about you, but if, if I were Moses, I probably would have been like, hold up, hold up, hold up here. I mean, Jethro, I know you're here for a visit or whatever, but do you know who I am? My name is Moses. Do you know what I did? I mean, I led millions of people out of slavery into freedom. I mean, come on. You don't think I know how to get this? I mean, come on. I mean, I mean I'm the guy who had a staff, and I threw it down, and it became a snake. And other people threw their staffs down, and my snake ate them, and then I picked it back up. I mean, I got game. I know what I'm doing. Man, I opened the Red Sea, and we walked through it, and then it closed back up when I said it to you. Man, I know what I'm doing. Listen, Jethro, you don't relate to what I'm doing. You've never been in my position. You don't have any idea what it's like to lead these people. These are all things that Moses could have said. He could have said, man, you don't understand where I'm at. You've never been in my position. And so many times that's how we respond to other people. But I love how Moses took a position of humility because so many times we take a position of pride. And what pride says is that, you know what, because you haven't been where I am, you don't understand what I'm going through. And therefore, you cannot insert any information to help me grow beyond where I'm at. And Moses had the courage and he had the humility to say, you know what, I don't have it all figured out. And some of you guys, you're working in positions today and you're doing things and, and you're trying to act like you've got it all figured out. But the reality is, is you don't have a clue and you need to walk in with some humility and some courage and say, you know what, I need some help figuring this out. I need some help getting down to the things that are most important because the reality is, is we can only juggle so many balls in life. If I were to take out some balls and start to juggle, I can juggle two balls. I tried it this morning. I was going to come out here, but I, it was so embarrassing I could not even get a third ball going. That's how uncoordinated I am when it comes to juggling. But some of us, we're trying to juggle five, six, seven balls, and we just look ridiculous because balls are falling all over the place. We look ridiculous because we're trying to say, you know what, I've got it figured out, man, I can handle all this. And the reality is, is we can't handle any of it. We are overwhelmed and we are overworked and we are just worn out because we haven't had the ability to find margin in our lives. And the, the reality is, is that, man, Focus is the key to being successful and satisfied in life. It's the key to being successful. And that's really what this whole series has been about. It's been about let's focus in and let's live with this whole idea that less is more. Because our society tells us that more is more. And that's a lie because more just desires more. The reality is when we take a step back and we start saying, you know what, I don't need as much. The reality is you don't need as much. You don't have to do as much to be satisfied in life. It's just a lie that we've continually bought into that's taken us and thrown our lives out of balance. It's thrown us out of our relationships. It's thrown us out of being able to be successful in our jobs because we've gotten to a place where we have no margin in our lives, to where we have some space, to where if we mess up, we don't fail. 
Because you know what happens when we start focusing in our work and we have some margin? Man, if we mess that up because we don't have 37 under other projects we have to do, we can fix the problem that we're dealing with right now and not let the other balls drop. And so today I want to kind of make this a little bit more practical because the reality is, is the reason we can't say yes to the things that we should be saying yes to, like our family, like our finances, like our relationships, is because we're saying yes to a lot of things that should never be in the yes bucket of our life. And that's why I love that statement from Marcus Buckingham. Man, people don't pay for average. He went on to say, you will only excel in those areas that you're gifted, areas that are your strengths. And I believe that God has equipped us, has given us abilities that are strengths in our lives. But most of us, were getting bogged down in the little things that we're missing out and working in our strengths and really living in the sweet spot that God has for our life. Because we think that productivity equals busyness. But productivity does not equal busyness. Because I know that there's been so many times that I've come home and I've, I haven't been able to respond to every phone call and I haven't been able to respond to every email and I've been doing all this work and I've been meeting with people and I get home and I'm like, what did I even accomplish today? Man, I was busy as could be, but I don't know anything that I accomplished. And I know that I'm not the only one that goes home at night and thinks that thing because we just get into this vicious cycle of going around and around and around and around and around and around. And we don't realize that, man, we're just running around with like chickens with our heads cut off. Because busyness does not equal productivity. Working in the sweet spot of our life and being productive at, that, at those things produces productivity. And so practically, what does this look like? How can we start to make this transition in our lives. And it's something that I've been, I've been working through myself over the last month or so. I've been saying, you know what, there are a lot of things that I do, man. I've, I've done everything from folding bulletins to printing notes to setting up stages to running sound. I don't even know how to do any of that stuff, but I've done it all because I've tried to do everything. But you know what, I fail at a lot of those things, but there are only a couple of things in life that I'm really good at. And those are the things that I need to focus on so that people that are good at those other areas, they can focus on their strengths and we can be as productive as possible. And so here's just some really, really quick practical things that I think that you and I can do if we're gonna be successful in this whole idea of creating margin in our workplace. And the first one is we gotta define success for our position. What is success for your position? Because this is what I know, is this word success, everybody has a different definition of it. And so for you, you've got to define what success is. What is success for you? Is success a, a financial thing? Is success a, a time thing? Is success a relational thing? What is success for your position? Is it meeting a quota? Is it building relationships? I don't know what it is for you. But the reality is, is if you don't define success for your position, you will never achieve it. The reason a lot of us feel inadequate and like we're never accomplishing anything is because we don't have a target to hit. And when you aim at anything and you shoot at it, you know what? You're going to feel like, man, I'm hitting it, but there's something that's missing inside. It's not what it's all racked up, cracked up to be. And so we have got to start defining what is that success in my position. And you might need to sit down with your boss and say, what is success here? What is the ideal uh, position look like? How would you define success for this position? How can we measure it? How can we know when we are hitting that? And get some clarity there. And when we have clarity, it's so much easier to make decisions. I've lived by a statement all of my life, and it says, the clearer the vision the fewer the options, the easier the decision. 
when you have clarity to know where you're going, the fewer the decisions you're going to have to make. You're going to say, is this leading me towards success or is this leading me away from it? And if it's leading me toward it, then that is something I need to do. And if it's taking me away from it, that's something I just chuck away and say no to. It makes the decision process in our life when we define it, our position. The second thing is, is I think we got to write the ideal job description. We got to define success for the position, but then you got to you look at it within the context of your company's vision or the context of your vision for your life, and say, what does that look like? What are the what are the strengths that need to be displayed in this position? What are the the goals that need to be met quarterly, yearly? And start putting those things down and and getting there and start writing down the skills that are necessary. And then looking at your skills and saying, man, do I even possess these? Is this even close? Because some of you guys will find out that you're you're a a circle going into a square peg. And you're wondering, why why can I never have any fulfillment here? It's because you're in the wrong position. But you start looking at the skills and the gifts that God's given you, the things that have made you successful and saying, man, where could I be successful? What could I be doing that could add fulfillment, that could add value to my life to to where it seems like I'm not just going to a job, a just over broke, but I'm making a life by what I'm doing. And thirdly, I think you need to sit down with your employer and start to to talk with them and say, you know what, I know that this isn't something that could be happen overnight, but this is something I would like to work towards. What do you think about this? Because this is what I know I'm great at. These are the things that I've excelled in, that we've been able to measure and see, man, this is where I do really well. How can we start moving towards that being in my life? Because this is what I know about every business and every company and, 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 and leading an organization is that just like in baseball, there's certain things that we ask people to do. We don't ask pitchers in baseball to juggle more balls than just pitching, do we? We don't expect our pitchers to bat 350 every year and 49 home runs, do we? No, their job is to just throw the ball. You throw the ball. There's other people that are there to hit the ball. And as we start to define what that looks like, define our position, as we start to do those things and we start to sit with our employer, we'll find out exactly where we can end up in life and how God wants to use us to build some some boundaries in our lives so that we're moving towards the vision and the purpose and the plan that he has for us and how he's gifted us. And for some of you guys, that might mean, you know what? Man, I am totally out of position in life. And maybe there's some changes that you need to make place in, in your employment. For some of you guys, maybe, that's, maybe there's some job changes within your organization. Maybe some of you guys are in the perfect spot, and that is just awesome. But I know that there's a lot of people here today that are just worn out in their jobs because they're living in the extreme. They're doing a lot of things that they were never meant to do because they're saying yes to everything and saying, saying yes to the right things. And God wants you to live a healthy life. And a healthy life always happens with balance. It never happens in the extreme. And some of you guys, you're going to need to go and you're going to need to set some boundaries for your work. Some of you guys are putting in 60, 70 hours a week. That's just not good. It's just not healthy. God never intended for you to live that way. It's not good for your family. It's not good for your own personal health. It's not good for your own personal life. 
You need to build some margin around those things. You need to build some boundaries around those things. So that God can utilize the gifts and the talents that you have for his glory and for his honor. Let's pray. God, we just come before you. And we thank you for being such an awesome God. God, I just pray that today that people that are out there that have been living their life out of balance, out of whack, God, would just start to reprioritize. They realize that, man, I cannot do everything and I'm not good at everything. Nor was I designed to be everything. And I just pray today that they would just put some boundaries in their life. Put some parameters down and say, you know what? God, here's the skills and abilities that you've given me. How can I utilize these? How can I maximize these? How can I add more value to my organization, to my life? By doing what you've gifted me to do. God, thank you for being a God who says, you know what? It's good to go after that stuff, but not at the expense of a relationship with me. God, I pray that we would always keep our hand and our heart close to you, no matter what we're doing. That we would never lose sight of what's most important. God, I thank you for what an awesome God you are and how great you are. In Jesus' name, amen.